What's up, everybody? Gary Roberts here from Good Dudes Grow. I'm your host. Welcome to the show. And on today's show, we have a motivational speaker, a TEDx speaker, naval officer, and an entrepreneurian. What's that? Stay tuned and you'll learn that and more. The Good Dudes Grow. We help you understand the benefits. CBD and cannabis, yeah. The Good Dudes Grow. We remove the fear of the unknown by giving you all the facts. The Good Dudes Grow. Unbiased content from opposing views to give you nothing but the facts. I welcome you to the show, The Good Dudes Grow. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Good Dudes Grow. I'm your host, Gary Roberts. I have an amazing guest, somebody you all recognize. No, not really. I don't, it's not, it's not Obama, but I do have Jamar Johnson who's just as good as Obama, as you heard in the intro. He's appeared on the ABC's Katie Show, the NBC's Dr. Oz Show, and MTV. Jamar's a 14-year veteran, former Marine and Naval officer, gone comedian, and now works for Club Nirvana as their chief marketing officer. He's also a motivational speaker, stand-up comedian, and he trains corporate trainers. So let's welcome to the show Mr. Jamar Johnson. How are you doing, Gary? I am doing Awesome. How about you? Man, I'm doing, listen, better than I deserve. Uh, and so I'm grateful, you know? That's that's great. So do you want, I'll tell you a little bit of reason why my podcast, I think I sent you a little bit about, about mm-hmm. it. Basically, uh, I created a podcast, gave a little bit more information on the CBD world and everything and how everything's changing people's lives and all that. So I'm yeah. stuff from uh, how it's helped people physically and mentally, as well, also in the business aspect of it. So The business opportunity is huge, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. But what was cool is I wanted something, not like all the other podcasts. I want to do stuff different. So you'd be like, you're like the perfect guest. Yeah. Because you got a little bit of everything going on. Yes. Be be perfect. So tell me a little bit about the background on how you got started as becoming a speaker. Because I did hear a little bit on the YouTube, but that's an awesome story. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the podcast. First of all, Uh, you know, I've been podcasting myself for about six years um, and, you know, there are over a million podcasts, but I don't think people understand that even with there being a million podcasts, we're on a planet with 7 billion people. So there's somebody, there's an audience for everyone that is willing to put themselves out there and be consistent. So shout out to you for being one of those podcasters out there, just trying to put out information and bring people closer together so that we can all understand that we have a tribe out there just waiting for us to share our voice. Um, how I got involved as a speaker, man, was... You know, it was an act of fate. You know, I think God has something to do with it. I'd always been interested in, in the, the ability of one to control their mind, control their thoughts, and control their outcomes. Uh, my father, who I didn't really know very well, apparently was kind of like the neighborhood genius and was always giving to others and, you know, lost sight of it for himself at some point. He was a Marine, came back from the Vietnam War, addicted to heroin. And, uh, you know, he moved down to South Carolina to try to get his life together before he was fatally killed by a friend of a friend when I was nine years old. So I knew that I had to go a different path with my life. My mother, she had been addicted to crack cocaine. And so while during my teenage years is when my mother was beginning her road to recovery. She had finally surrendered um, and was willing to really let go of the of the addiction because of all the pain and suffering that she had. So my mother, I had I would go to meetings with her. Narcotics Anonymous meetings with her and see her share her story and and very vulnerably and very emotionally. And I would see people transformed 
by her speaking. And so I knew that I wanted to do that one day for other people uh, with my stories. And so between the therapy that we went through as a kid, I just developed this ability to communicate extremely well for my age group. And then um, through a series of events where I got, you know, left back twice, skipped once, all because I was just cutting class because I was angry. I was scared. I was afraid of all the violence that was happening in New York City at the time during that during that 90s period, you know, when you had this crack epidemic. Um, I got put into a specialized high school um, for my grades because I was a smart kid. But I wasn't really motivated to do schoolwork. I was motivated with staying alive, staying out of, out of fights. And so one last time, a super, the superintendent of New York City, he said, listen, man, your, your grades are off the charts, man. What can we do to help you, you know, focus more in school? And, um, you know, I got put into this specialized high school that had a curriculum built around writing long papers and then expressing it with words in front of a, a panel. And that was really the beginning for me. And so with that, uh, I, they had an internship program. I took advantage of it as a sophomore. And then uh, as a junior, I went and interned. And then as beginning of my senior year, I got asked to come speak. Um, uh, me and two other students who also partook in the internship got asked to come participate in an event where we didn't know this at the time, but they were kind of choosing between five of us, which three would speak at their annual gala, which actually happened on my birthday in 1997. Uh, I turned 18 years old and in front of 2000 people, I had the opportunity to speak and tell my story of how the internship, the program, all of that impacted my life. And so, 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 so basically you, you got over that fear everybody has, the fear of speaking in front of the people at a young age, learning it in school, and then you went somewhere that you never thought you would actually get and even a huge crowd and you were put in that position. You went, oh, it's time to go. Time to go. But, but you know, I also had, the, like I said, the school training, but also we had a professional speaking coach that trained us for about six weeks and we got to use our own words so that we could remember it. And I just remembered the feeling of executing it you know, almost flawlessly. Like there was actually an, a moment in that video, which I actually have on my YouTube video. If you look in uh, Jamar John Johnson and put facing history. So there was a there was a moment where I almost completely blanked out while I was speaking. Now, I wasn't overly nervous. It was just a matter of I realized the intensity of the moment because it's one thing to practice and know, oh, there's going to be a couple hundred, you know, there's, there's gonna be a couple hundred people. There were 2000 people there. So you can see this is the main ballroom of, of the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. So you've got the main floor and then you've got balcony seats all around up three levels. So you're like, this is a lot of people. But luckily, all the lights were down. We had a spotlight on us. So we really couldn't see too much. Um, but yeah, I showed out. And, and afterwards, the the response that we got, you know, people were running up to the stage with business cards like, you guys are awesome. Come, you need to come intern. And then actually on that video at the end, um, the person who was kind of emceeing that portion of the show was like, man, I got to follow these guys. Like, did you hear those kids talk? So we really had a good performance. And so I knew that there would be something there for me eventually. And over the years, I've been able to really shape it and, and develop myself. And now I can speak about anything from motivation to inspiration, to discipline, to digital marketing, which is my career, uh, to stand-up comedy, because I've actually been performing as a comedian for almost for 16, going on 17 years. So I've really developed all the different areas of, of public speaking. And honestly, podcasting is a great cross-trainer 
for public speaking because you get to, you know, you get to talk with someone, connect with someone, but also in real time, you have this dialogue back and forth. So new ideas are always popping out of my head at all times. That, that's so cool. I found the same thing. And that's what I found cool about the platform about Clubhouse was even telling my story, the more I told it, the more memories came back, the better I mm -hmm. felt. It, it kind of helped me when I didn't think I needed help. It helped me anyways. Yes. I heard you had a little kind of like a little run in with Dave Chappelle. Yeah, I had an amazing run in with Dave Chappelle. You know, he's the he's the, the really one of the reasons why I do comedy today, because I think the impact of the Chappelle show, I think people can agree it was one of the greatest sketch shows of all time. Um, and uh, in the summer of 2005, my best friend, Sean Wilkerson, shout out to Sean, still friends to this day. We met in college at Auburn University, War Eagle. And um, when I was living in Japan as a naval officer, he sent me this book. He just mailed it to me out of the blue. And it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that book opened up my third eye for entrepreneurship. I had always been an entrepreneur. I had been working since I was 12 years old, you know, hustling, packing groceries, airbrushing shirts. I was an artist. But when I read that book, it really finally hit me what I was. Because I think some people are entrepreneurs, some people are entrepreneurs, some people are employees. And there's nothing wrong with being in any category. It's just a matter of, like, what does your desire drive you to go do? And I love building businesses and I love connecting and solving problems. So I read that book, but I wasn't able to invest in real estate the way Sean was because Sean lived in Virginia and I lived in Japan. But what happened later that year was that I got selected to be my ship's anti-submarine warfare officer, which meant that I needed some additional specialized training. And so I had a 30-day course set for me in Newport, Rhode Island um, for 30 days in December of 2005. So while there, I actually was looking to do things that I'd never had an opportunity to do before because I was an adult now. I had all this money. I was an officer. And one of the things that I wanted to do was go see live stand-up comedy for the first time. Now, I, had a, I had watched it online. I watched, you know, watched it on television. Death Comedy Jam was from the 90s. That's where I'm from. And so I somehow found, I Googled and found that there was a comedy club in Boston and it must have been because of the ads or whatever, but I saw that the cast of the Dave Chappelle show was going to be performing. So I bought a ticket solo, you know, and drove up, actually ended up being through a snowstorm. There were literally cars turned over on the side of the road sideways, but I made it through the, the, the snow at like 40 miles an hour. I took like three hours ahead of time to make sure I got there on time. When I got there, I was amazed at how many people showed up through this snowstorm. It was literally sold out, maybe maybe 700 seats and, you know, 40 bucks a ticket, two item minimum. Right. And at the time, I didn't even drink. So, I, you know, I got a soda and a couple of food items. And it was one of the best shows that I'd ever seen. And it wasn't Dave Chappelle wasn't there. It was the cast. So it was Marina Franklin, Kyle Grooms, Bill Burr. Donnell Rawlins and rest in peace, Charlie Murphy was there. And it was one of the most incredible times that I've ever had in my life. And, you know, there's something that happens when you go into flow states. And this, I'm, I'm big into flow, you know, as an athlete, you feel it as a military personnel, as you know, you probably felt it before as a firefighter, you go into flow where you just know that all your training is going to take over and you're going to just react and do what's necessary. Completely it's, becomes like second nature. Second right? nature. Yeah. And so in there, I was, I was having a flow moment, but I was also having an out-of-body experience where I stepped outside of my body. I saw how much fun I was having. I saw how much fun I was, everyone was having. I was, I was connected with everyone in the room at the same time. And come, you know, come to find out, looking back at that moment, what's happening is when people laugh hysterically, they increase their oxytocin 
in their, in their brain, right? The neural cocktail is released. And then you start feeling more connected to humanity, to the world around you. And all your problems go away because you're in a state of bliss. And while seeing myself in that third, from that third party perspective, um, I, my undergrads in, in, in accounting, and like I said, I've always been an entrepreneur. And then I just read that book. So my third eye was open. So I'm scanning the room and I'm making these observations and I'm saying, you know what? Making people laugh is a serious business. You know, the two drink minimum, the, the, the cost to get in. This literally was a situation where they, they made about a million and a half dollars because they were there for nine sold out shows. And then they were on their way to the next stop. So think about it. Think of how many cities they probably toured that summer in between season one, season two. They probably made 30, 40, 50 million dollars or more with their comedy gang, right? So I knew it was a business. So that night I left saying, well, I know I can do what they do. I've made people laugh. I've spoken in front of thousands of people. I, I'm funny. Like, I'm, I'm a comedian. So I started to immerse myself in the business of it. Now, fast forward about four years later, 2009, um, I'm, in a, I'm up in Oakland on an OkCupid date, and it's a little rainy outside. And I pull up uh, from Monterey where I was going to grad school as an officer uh, for systems engineering analysis. And I go up to, to this date. I go to pick the girl up, and I notice this line of people standing outside. And it was to go see Dave Chappelle. He had got, just got back to America from going to Africa for a while, disappearing, and he was doing shows. And I was like, I gotta go see him. Like, he's the reason why I do comedy. You know, I'm four years in, I'm, I'm still got that fresh feel. We gotta go see him. So we go to see him. And uh, luckily there were tickets because it was a rainy day. So some people pulled out. There was like eight or nine tickets left, right? We got in. Now I had this really, really, uh, cool comedy card, which for those of who might watch this, is this video or just audio? How do you do the podcast? Is it just, is it both? It's just audio for now. I'm okay. working on YouTube, so it could be video a little bit later. Okay. So I don't know if you can see it, but there's like a little card of me. Okay. And on the card, I'm holding, I'm like this, right? And underneath it says my name, my website. And then it says a, it says a, it says a, a line that I'll, I'll tell you in a second. But I'm handing these cards out to people networking before the show. And then the show starts, right? So... The show is incredible. Dave is just the funniest guy I've ever seen live. He's just effortlessly flowing. He's riffing. He's taking what the audience is giving him. He's turning it into gold. And about an hour and a half into the show, my date, she's like, hey, I got to get up in the morning. She's a teacher. You know, 6 a.m. wake up call. She's like, hey, I, I kind of have to go. And I'm like, no problem. And I was like, I kiss you. I kiss her. Like, I'll see you later. Because I'm like, I'm staying, right? And it was across the street from her house. So it wasn't like she had to go far. But I'm like, I, I, there's no way I'm leaving. Because if you leave, you can't come back in, right? And then about another half hour passes, there's two drunk, uh, a drunk couple in the front and they just keep yelling, Rick James, bitch, and they're yelling stuff. And so, you know, Dave is like, all right, you guys have had enough. Clearly you're too drunk to really enjoy, you know, enjoy the rest of the show. So you got to go. So security escorts them out. Now, one of the girls to my left that I had networked with, she said, hey, we should go move up and take those two seats right in front of the stage. And I'm kind of like, I'm like, I don't want to get kicked out either. But then I'm thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? You only live once. Let's go for it. So it's like, I'll let you go first. Since you're, you're a white girl, he won't notice you. And then I'll follow behind, right? <laughs> so we pull up. We sit down. She sits first. I sit second. So I'm kind of to her left at this point. Dave's on stage. I mean, he's maybe 10 feet away from me. And then about 10 minutes passes by. And she looks over to me. She goes, hey, you should give Dave Chappelle your card. So he knows you're a comedian too. And I'm just like. Again, no, this is not the right time to be trying to get Dave Chappelle to notice me. He's doing his show. 
But then again, you only live once. <laughs> but then again, you only live once, right? So I think about it and I say, well, what is a creative way that I could do this? And what I do is I pull my card, I put it face up on the stage and I slide it slowly to my left, his right. And would you believe three hours into the show, he looks down and he's like, whose card is this? And he goes, oh, this is your card. Jamar, comedian, writer, singer, artist, handyman. And that's the punchline, right? The crowd goes crazy. And, uh, you know, he's, he, one of the things he says to me is, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna make a billion dollars. That's one of the things he says to me in that clip. And I actually have the clip on my website, IamJamar.com. If you go there, it's at the very top. Um, but that resonated with me. And then he made a riff and he made a joke and he goes, and you know, you can listen to the joke later. But I love telling that story because it's about the art of possibility, you know, the art of putting yourself out there, taking a risk, being strategic about it. You know, I'm, I'm an avid chess player, so chess, not checkers. But with him telling me that the card was the most hilarious business card he ever saw in his life, here's a man who's done everything when it comes to comedy, toured the world, had the number one selling show. And at the time of this recording, he just posted it last night. The whole riff he had with Comedy Central has been solved, has been quashed. They actually paid the man and gave him the rights to his name back. Perfect. You know deserved. what I mean? Well deserved. Right? And so think about what that means in terms of the opportunities in this world to create equitable situations and which is a win-win-win. Not just a win-win, a win-win-win situation is upon us. And he did it with comedy, humility, strength, endurance, perseverance. And those are all of the things that I feel like make who I am up as well. And so I can't wait to take the cannabis industry further than it's ever been with creative, introspective, artistic, hilarious content that educates people and shows them that, hey, this thing should have never been illegal. And, and now that it is, we're going to make sure that the world knows that there's a safer way to go about health and wellness, as well as enjoying yourself. Because even getting high is better than getting drunk and smashed and blacking out and being dehydrated and, you know, having your organs, you know, kidney. So for me, it's like I'm on a crusade now and, 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 and I'm somebody who can talk serious, can talk heavy, but I can talk light and fluffy and bring that balance to the conversation. And I am a Libra. So perfect man for the job. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah. You know what's funny? I won't say funny, but you know what yeah. I realized about that whole story, the whole Mm -hmm. Everything from, from the snowstorm to everything else. You spent three hours trying to get to this first point. It's like something was stopping you. The snowstorm, three hours. You had no clue what was going mm -hmm. on. And you made it that point. Yep. Fast forward again, same thing. You're in that neighborhood. All of a sudden, hey, look, I see a line. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden, that opportunity goes. Yes. You walk through that door. Yes. And then the other opportunity is a couple leaving. You walk through that door. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of people don't realize that there's opportunities and doors open yes. in the past. And that's where I keep, I bring it up with a lot of people, especially because since my daughter was addicted to opiates and everything. Else, yeah, I'm sorry. Opiates, yeah. Um, there's still going to be doors for them to open. Don't ever think that you're looked like as an addict, that those doors are always closed. Mm -hmm. if that's not it. We, yep. we want to look positive to the forward, find those doors, open them for you and everything else. Absolutely, brother. And talking about the bliss thing that you said that you, that third where you, you're sitting down and you actually saw everything from a yes. third point of view. Yep. I interviewed Tommy Chong uh, last. I week. love Tommy Chong. He's great. 
And he says, he goes, cannabis is not a bad drug. When you take it, you're no longer thinking about your past. Yep. You're no longer thinking about your future. You're in that moment. Present. If you're creative and you're doing something. It opens that creativity. Yes. It gives you those visions that so that in yep. that moment, you're more creative. Absolutely. And I can this, attest to that. Amen, brother. Yeah. And this is the type of story that, that with my podcast, I'm trying to bring out. That's the whole cool thing about it. I do know you, you You did coin a term, though. I don't know if it came after the Chappelle show, but you started calling it, you're the entrepreneurian. Uh, yeah, so I created that that term. I own the domain name. That's a brand that I'm actually bringing to life this year. Entrepreneurian, an entrepreneur who's extremely hilarious. That's the definition. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so cool. You started now to get to the cannabis side. You started, work, you started working with a group called Club Nirvana. Tell me a little yeah. bit how you got involved with them. And, and yeah. What's going on there? Yeah, my, my life is a series of, of just uh, divine connections. Um, I, I'm, I'm finishing up a book right now. It's called Super Connecting, The Art and Science of Creating Meaningful Relationships in a Digital Age. So it will be released this month here in February 2021. And with that, you know, as you can see from my experience, by the way, when I was 18 and I spoke in front of 2,000 people, Kofi Annan was in attendance. So I actually have a photo with him and the two other students, as well as the the uh, school chancellor, Rudy Cruz, at the, who was the chancellor at the time. So I, you know, I feel like, you know, the universe, God, whatever you like to say, has been putting me in situations to connect on a deep level, on a powerful level. And so how I got connected with Club Nirvana is pretty magical. And I got to give a shout out to my boy, Carlin, uh, Carlin Hines, who is an amazing music producer who has been, uh, for the last five years, has taught over 700,000 music producers around the world how to produce better music on YouTube. So he has a huge YouTube channel and I was following him a couple of years ago. Ended up doing a live event here in California. He, he's from Pennsylvania and I had to just show up to his event, right? The power of connection and intention. So, you know, we've become business partners since and friends and, and in December 6th of 2020, he sent me an invitation to this app called Clubhouse which everybody's probably knows a little bit about, or here's the buzz and here's the, the FOMO about it. But that app was built perfect for someone like me, right? Someone who loves to speak, loves to teach, loves to give value, loves to connect with people. And so I was just on there for a couple of weeks, you know, trying to figure things out, you know, just spending lots of hours on there listening and trying to figure out what's, what's the way for me to go about it. And, um, you know, I run a digital marketing agency. Well, that's what I've been running since 2015. And so, I know I can help people when it comes to their online presence, their online brand, grow their numbers on social media and generate leads that turn into sales for their businesses. So that's pretty much the main focus that I was doing on Clubhouse. And that led me into a different a room. And so, you know, I was in a room just waiting for an opportunity to give my you know 30 second pitch of what I could provide. And I heard someone speak a few people before me and his name was Paul. And he was talking about cannabis. And, you know, I had never really been deep into cannabis. You know, I own a couple of, you know, disposable pens at the time. And, you know, I used it for creativity, but I, I wasn't on a regimen of, of consistently tapping into it. Um, but I knew that it had power and potential. So as I was listening to him speak, um, I just slid, slid into his DMs while he was speaking. And I sent him a, a very custom message of like, hey, I heard you speak. I heard you talking about this. I generate leads for businesses. Maybe we can connect. Let's have a virtual coffee and explore the possibilities, right? And he wrote back, sure, let's connect. I sent him a link to my calendar. 
that impressed him. You know, he just got to see my digital presence and, and see how strong it was. And so after we spoke briefly, he said, you know what, um, the CEO of this company is going to be in Irvine next week. He's normally in Northern California. How far are you? I'm like, you know, I'm about an hour away. I'll come meet the guy because in my mind, I'm going to go potentially get another client that I could help generate leads. What ended up happening was just we bonded on such a deep level. I think our first meeting with the CEO, we probably spent two, two and a half hours talking, laughing, um, connecting, and then me trying to explain to him what I could do, but it not really landing because marketing is not what he does. So I was like, okay, there's some potential here, but he, he made an invitation. Again, it's where we show up and how we show up. He said, well, listen, I want to work with you. I think there's some potential here. Why don't you come visit my facility next week uh, on, uh, you know, on Friday and I'll give you a tour of it and we can explore some options from there. And I'm like, absolutely, I'll be there. And then in preparation for that meeting, I called one of my former clients who is a video production expert and I asked him if he would meet me there and, you know, film me during that visit. He said, sure. So we show up as a team. That whole initial meeting is, is actually recorded and I have it as a blog video. It's like a seven minute video. But I got to see the scale of uh, Club Nirvana's operation. And, you know, they're really in the real estate business and their tenants are cannabis growers. And then they've established a relationship to basically buy, repackage and sell to a completely different demographic than what most dispensaries offer. And so from there, you know, I got to see 100,000 of the 400,000 square feet that they own up in Northern California of, of cannabis uh, growing facilities. And I got to basically realize that this was the opportunity of a lifetime uh, with my particular skill sets, their particular need, and this amazing plant medicine, I saw an opportunity that I had to take advantage of, and that was to be able to help corporate build a more credible brand, and then help teach the affiliates that work with corporate how to have their brands, how to grow their audience, how to generate leads, because the product in this almost sells itself, but we are in the business of helping the uninitiated, you know, the people who all they can remember is how, is how it was demonized for so long. And 80% of our product line are things that aren't even about getting high. They're about health and wellness. So they are the pain salves, the soothe creams, the tinctures for sleep, the tinctures for daily restore, the tinctures for relaxation. They are the bath bombs for relaxation, heavy with CBD. And the difference with us is that, you know, and, and we're not knocking CBD without THC, but there is an entourage effect that, are, that happens when you use the full plant. And, you know, trying to take out the THC might limit some of the actual performance of the plant with the, with the medicine as God intended it because the plant was here for, you know, since we've been around. And we've been using it as medicine for nearly 6,000 years. Um, so Club Nirvana has a very unique model. It's a virtual dispensary. Cuts all of our customers order product online. And then we have a fleet right now in the state of California of 85 Priuses that deliver them, uh, deliver the product to their doorstep with well-groomed, uh, knowledgeable, polite drivers and, you know, unmarked white Priuses. So everything is discreet, white glove service. And then we use the affiliate model so that members who want to save a little bit on product basically pay an, a, a one-time, a once-a-year kind of fee, like a Costco membership, to get up to 30% off their products. And then when they refer new uh, customers, 
they earn a residual commission off of the lifetime of that customer's value. So it's a, it's a really cool equity. We call it a hybrid affiliate program. Um, and people have the opportunity to participate in what will be a $22 billion industry by 2025. That's amazing. Did you notice that when you started getting, and you said you weren't really much of the cannabis, just partaked in a little bit. Did you start noticing when you started getting into the business, when you started seeing some of the real people that wanted to take it for not just getting high, but for the medicinal and the wellness effect, that the attitudes changed? They were really more into how making the plant better, how saving the plant, how making sure the product comes out better, how everything was better. They wanted the regulations. They wanted the standardizing. Yeah. They wanted to make sure they were providing something mm -hmm. safe and alternative to the people. That's what I found, especially a lot of times when I did the interviews here on, on mm -hmm. the podcast with certain people. Yeah, well, it's about quality control, you know, and and with us being in a regulated market like CBD right now is unregulated. So the quality is going to vary depending on who you're buying and what's the scale. And, you know, and we have to have our things third party checked and it's verified. And those those stickers go on every single box that we sell. And I think that, you know, yes, that means that there's a there's an excise tax, there's a sales tax, but all of that means that we're going you're going to make sure that you have the best product. Um, and so we're for that. And we want people to know the difference uh, between the, you know, the CBD without THC and, and with THC. And, you know, people can try and see for themselves which one gives them the better effect. And we say, go with whatever works for you. Uh, I'm a big believer of N equals one for every human being. We all have overlap and things of interest and commonality, but each and every single one of us is 100% unique from our voice to our fingerprint. There are things about us that are unique now, and I can mimic voices, but obviously with my appearance, I can sound like Barack, but I, I can't look like Barack, right? Unless without makeup and stuff, you know? Uh, but I believe that if we come together uh, as a people and educate ourselves on the medicinal use of cannabis, uh, we can do it responsibly. And so that's like a little, little Obama impression right there. Awesome. Awesome. I agree with you. And, and that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to start a movement, like I said, with the firefighters, because we're not allowed to use a THC yeah. because first responders and all that. We get stuck in that. We have to use the isolate. The isolate does does help. It does, there is benefit to it. But I, but I really think that since the sports and sports companies are all going, yeah, you guys, we're not going to test anymore. I think since those guys down 911, when they're in trouble, I think we should have the same. Access. Well, well, think, well, think about this. Well, think about this for a second, Gary, like. Imagine you can do coke, meth on a Friday night, and by Monday, it's out of your system. And those things are far more harmful for you than cannabis. Cannabis in your system just means that you partake in it. It doesn't mean that you're always impaired. You know what I mean? But it has receptors that bond to us. We have CB1 and CB2 receptors that bond with cannabis because it helps us. And it helps us to reduce anxiety, reduce inflammation. Inflammation is huge. I mean, we're, we're a country, we're a nation of inflamed people, inflamed in our guts, right? Our gut, our gut health is really poor in America. And that's why there's so much obesity, because our guts aren't able to process what we're, what we're consuming on a regular basis. So I think, uh, you know, I really think that that should change. Um, and I think even if you want to do something like if someone is a partaker of cannabis, right? And, and it's known that you just do a, a simple um, check for, for how impaired they are when they, when they come to work. Just do a simple, a simple check. Because there are people who, do, who play sports at a high level, who play it 
with cannabis in their system and are top performers. So it doesn't, it doesn't affect your intellect. It doesn't now, of course, if you get too high and you're too impaired, then yes. But the same thing with alcohol. We don't let people come, we let people drink, but we don't let them come to work drunk. So, but there's still alcohol in their systems. Exactly. And that's what we, yeah. we keep telling everybody else, but it's slowly changing and everything else. Yeah. Jamar, I appreciate you coming on the show. If people wanted to reach out for you, and I, I know you, like you said, the book coming out, where, where would they go to keep track of you? And everything? Yeah. So the best, the, the number one way to connect with me is Instagram at Jamar J. That's J-A-M-A-R-R-J. Uh, you can also find me with the same handle on Twitter and on LinkedIn. It's Jamar John Johnson. So those are the three main platforms that I connect on. On Facebook, I've got 5,000 friends already, so I can't take any more. Uh, I got a secondary page uh, that I also have, Jamar John Johnson, the second but yeah, Instagram would be the best way. And then we can connect up and, and, and chop it up from there. We can voice notes back and forth and see if there's any way to collaborate. Always looking for affiliates. And we are accepting affiliates uh, worldwide because everybody knows somebody who lives in California. And we have plans with Club Nevada to expand here to Nevada here in about six months, as well as Arizona about six months after that. And we will be in every state that, that does allow uh, cannabis to be sold here within the next three to five years. Because like you said, this is a $22 billion pot right now. And uh, you know, if we could pull, if we could be a billion dollar company here in the next five years, I'd be happy with that. Well, you need to keep my name in the books if you ever come to Southeast Florida, because I'll definitely hook up with you. Well, well, we'll definitely talk. Like I said, it doesn't matter where you live now. It's a matter of where your network lives. So we can talk offline after the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Gary. And uh, yeah, I appreciate it. You have yourself a wonderful weekend tomorrow. All right. Bye. If you're still listening to this, that means you gained some type of value. So what we need you to do is leave a review and make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode of The Good Dudes Grow.